1: Today's episode of the Nick Bob podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors. You know, Pella, they're day one, man. They're they're, they're day one homies for the Nick Bob podcast. They've been with me from day one. And, you know, not only is Pella a great company, they got great people there. I went to school with my guy Vince, just a great dude. They're the kind of people you want to do business with. And if you have pushed off a project with some windows or some doors, something like that, now is the time to turn that project into a reality. Because we all know a new set of windows, a new door can do a lot of things for you. It can change the look, the vibe, the feeling of your home. It can add value to your home. Plus, it can make your home more energy efficient. Pella checks all those boxes and then some. Pella can provide window and door solutions to any home. And again, working with the people at Pella, second to none. So hit them up online, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. And the Nick Bob podcast is powered by Runza. Runza has an app and you need to download that app because as a father of two little kids, anything that can increase speed and efficiency when it comes to eating, I'm all for it. And the app does that. I can order food on the app, pop into the restaurant. It's ready for me. It's hot. I'm in. I'm out. I'm now like a finalist for dad of the year or something like that. And it's in large part due to the Runza app and ordering is a breeze on the app. You can customize your order. You can get all your favorites just the way you want them. Plus, you can earn points for rewards in the app. You can score free food from Runza in the app. So go download the Runza app. You can get Runza, get rewards, then get more Runza all on the app. Runza makes it all better. All right, here we go. I got a new pod for you here, a little Take-A-Palooza Part 3. Now, if you don't remember, I did two of these in the summer, and I really enjoyed them. It's a pretty stupid, simple concept where I just kind of hammer through topics and takes in kind of a pseudo quick, rapid fire manner. And I touch on everything from Nebraska football, Nebraska basketball, Creighton basketball, some college football, uh, a, a bunch of different things. Hammering through this stuff, uh, I got about—I just kind i got about twenty takes, so. Without further ado, let's do this thing, a little Thanksgiving edition, a little holiday weekend for you as you're driving around doing whatever you do uh, to celebrate some time with your family. Uh, I got about 20 takes, Take a Palooza Part 3. Here we go. You know, life is oftentimes about timing and, you know, windows of opportunity presenting themselves and taking advantage of them. As I as I sit and I, I kind of look around the Big Ten, I do kind of fear that Nebraska may have just missed a huge window of opportunity here. Th- think about Nebraska right now, not only with them, but what's around them. Nebraska, this is the best defense they've had in a decade. You you look, at least on paper, you have a four-year starting quarterback. More often than not, that yields better results. Um, then, then you look at what's around them. This is a good Wisconsin team, not a great Wisconsin team. This is not a great Iowa team. Hell, I would say this isn't even a, a great Ohio State or Oklahoma team. Like, I'm, I'm certainly not suggesting that the schedule was as hard as some people are making it out to be. I do believe it was a hard schedule, obviously. I'm not saying any of those games were easy, but this wasn't, you know, Justin Fields and Chase Young for Ohio State, trotting out there. Th- this wasn't Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray for Oklahoma, trotting out there. This wasn't Jonathan Taylor for Wisconsin out there. This wasn't Russell Wilson quarterbacking for Wisconsin out there. This wasn't, you know, an Iowa team that has you know, had two first-round tight ends, a, a menacing pass-rushing defense. You know, like, they're, they're, all those teams are good, but they're not the vintage great teams. Gosh, it just feels like with the way the defense was and what's around Nebraska, maybe missed a little bit of an opportunity for, because the window felt like it was open here. It is th- Speaking of Nebraska football, this is maybe the first Nebraska football season in my lifetime that I can't legit pick a turning point. Because there's so many of them. Bill, Bill Self, when I played for him, he used to say, you know, all seasons, good or bad, have a turning point. And he's kind of right. Like, I remember when he said that, I was like, oh, okay, let me, and then you kind of just, right now, I bet whatever team you're a fan of, you could kind of go through season by season and find a pivot point that either propelled the team in in, in a, a good way or kind of torpedoed them in a bad way. If you look at this season for Nebraska football, they had so many bad breaking turning points, it's impossible to choose one. Like, I just quickly wrote down, here are the nominees for potential turning points. Cam Taylor-Britt's safety in the first game of the season. I'm dead serious on that one. Sometimes I'm not so sure. That didn't just set the tone for the entire year, in particular on special teams. You, you could look at the blocked extra point at Oklahoma. In the third quarter, Nebraska responded, drove the ball down the field. They pounded in for a touchdown. I remember Gus Johnson, you know, doing the don't go anywhere, people. We got a game. And then Nebraska's extra point gets blocked, and Oklahoma returns are for two points. Yeah, boy. You could look at Cerny's punt going in the wrong direction. Instead of punting it right, he punts left at Michigan State. They return it for a touchdown. The game goes in in overtime. Nebraska loses. Certainly could be that one. Could be Martinez's, Adrian Martinez's fumble on the second-to-last drive in the Michigan game, a game that I was with Bo Rude in Memorial Stadium. That place was rocking. It felt like Nebraska, it was their moment. They were going to go down and score, and they were going to win, and Martinez fumbles. But you could look at Nebraska getting stuffed on fourth and goal from the one-inch line at Minnesota. Where they don't get under center, they try to hand the ball off and and Yant or whoever it was, I think it was Yant, slips and falls and they get they get punched and stuffed at the fourth at, at fourth and goal from the one inch line at Minnesota. It shoot it could be a, it could be Martinez's third interception against Purdue or just pick or the pick six it was a bad day for Martinez or. Here's the final nominee. Nebraska's missed field goal with about 10 minutes left in Ohio uh, in the Ohio State game in the fourth quarter when they were down six. Remember when they, they get all the way down to about the, you know, inside the 20 yard line. Martinez misses Falk, I believe it was, on a little crosser, but they trot out for the field goal unit. It's 23 17. There's 10 minutes left. Nebraska's defense is rolling. You're able to kick the field goal. Okay, you get a stop. Now you're in business. Instead, miss the field goal. But I'm sure I've missed like 10 more. But this is the first season in a long, long time that I can't pin down one turning point because it seemingly has felt like every single game there's been a back-breaking moment that has occurred that is the turning point. Kind of crazy. Kind of crazy. I I was thinking about this, speaking of kind of crazy, with Fred Hoiberg in Nebraska basketball. It is kind of perplexing that Fred Hoiberg is yet to... To land a pure legit big time point guard in Lincoln since he arrived taking over as the Nebraska basketball head coach. It's kind of interesting, right? I mean, Cam Mack, I was I never bought in him. He was too reckless. He wasn't overly reliable. He couldn't shoot. He to me, he didn't really have a pure point guard last year. I thought Delano Banton. You know, just because you can handle the ball doesn't mean you're a point guard. I thought Banton was kind of a bad fit with how they wanted to play. He was more of a slower, methodical guy. They needed someone to push tempo. He wasn't a pure point guard. I don't think Trey McGowan is a pure point guard. And then this year, they're trying to turn Alonzo Verge into a point guard. Listen, I think he's, he's talented and shown signs that he can do it, but nevertheless, he's never done it. He's a guy that's wired to score, and he played off the ball at Arizona State. So it's just kind of interesting that with with Hoyberg style and his stature in the basketball world and NBA ties that he hasn't been able to get a great pure point guard to come to Lincoln yet. That feels like that needs to be the top priority for Matt Abdelmasi and 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 coach Hoyberg when they really hit the recruiting trail for next season. They got to bring in a legit point guard, a guy that that knows how to run a team and can do what they want him to do. Speaking of uh point guards how about Ryan freaking Nemhard, freshman for Creighton the one thing you got to give Greg McDermott he's consistently gotten the point guard spot right more often than not he really has you you think about it okay so he inherited Antoine Young but he did well with him then he brings in Austin Chapman, who is a rock-solid point guard, fast with the ball, good at pushing tempo. They won a lot of games with him at the point guard spot. They also had Grant. He brought in Grant Gibbs, who was a different kind of point guard but was excellent. They go get Boston transfer Maurice Watson, who was outstanding. I still think that team was Final Four good until he tore his ACL. They, then then he goes and gets Marcus Zagorowski, who was excellent. And now Ryan Nemhard, who appears to be a budding superstar. Pretty impressive little string of point guard pickups for Greg McDermott. Like a quarterback in football, you better get that spot right if you want to have success. In college basketball, you better get the point guard spot right, especially with this system. Like Greg McDermott and heck even Fred Hoiberg, because their systems are similar, they put a lot of pressure on the point guard. They rely on that spot immensely to push tempo, make good decisions, set the table for, for the teammates, be great in ball screens. Okay, you're icing this ball screen, okay. Drop coverage, okay. Hard hedge, okay. Double, okay. You score, shoot, lead. Like you, you better get that spot right. I mean, behind, you just, just go through it. Behind almost every team that's in the Elite Eight, the Final Four, or cuts down nets in March, you find a pretty fucking good point guard. Behind every conference championship winning team, you find a pretty good point guard. You better get that spot right. And, you know, it's pretty amazing. I, I just, I can't believe Greg McDermott has reloaded not once, but twice since Maurice Watson. With Zegarowski, who I believe is the greatest point guard ever at Creighton, in my opinion, I think it's him and and Ryan Sears, but I, I I'll give Zegarowski the nod. And then now with Ryan Nemhart, who, let's be honest, is better than all the freshman point guards ever at Creighton so far. Just I, I realize we're not even a month into this thing, but man, is he off to a good start. He's been awesome, and he is perfect for how Creighton wants to play. Here are his numbers so far. 14 points per game, five assists per game, three rebounds per game, shoots 55% from the floor, and 52% from three. Six feet tall, shoots 55% from the floor. He's been in double figures every game. He's already had 10 assists in a game, his first game of his career. He led Nebraska on or he led his team on the road at Nebraska in a hostile environment, rivalry game, to a win. And he just hit a game winner. At the buzzer to beat Southern Illinois, a game that that Creighton needed to win. That'd have been a tough loss. You you go to you go to the Virgin Islands and you go one and two. Uh, that's that'd, that'd have been frustrating. They needed to win that game, and they did. Pretty pretty good start to the season for Ryan Nemhart. I said it in a tweet after the Nebraska game. What do you get when you mix elite talent with the perfect system fit? You get Ryan Nemhart. Amazing. The one thing also with Creighton, I'll say. The one thing I'll give Creighton so far this year is they are finding a way to win, which is a great quality to possess. Quite frankly, it's a, it's it's a quality that is eluding Nebraska football, right? I mean, we've t- we know the one score game issues under under Scott Frost, and I know football and basketball are different, but nevertheless, the the quality that permeates that a, por- a program or a team in just finding a way to win is a real one, regardless of the sport. You know. More often than not I walk away from Nebraska football games saying, how did they lose that game? How? And so far Creighton with a brand new team you've kind of walked away going, "Man, they were they not sure how they won that game or man, they were close, they were they did a good job finding a way to win that game. They found a way to win." I mean, you think about it. They were down double figures in the first game, one Second game, they go one for 19 from three. They just had a terrible offensive night, one. They gave up a 19-point lead on the road at Nebraska in front of a hostile crowd. Didn't flinch, didn't blink, rallied, won comfortably. And then, in their last game against Southern Illinois, they were down eight points with about four minutes left. They rally. They end the game on a 12-2 run, including a buzzer beater, and won. Pretty impressive for a brand-new Young team. Again, Creighton returns 18% of its minutes. That's the third fewest in the country, most among power conference teams. They're fewest among power conference teams, however you want to phrase that. Speaking of the So, also with Creighton, with their their one loss of the season, they lost to Colorado State, which, by the way, that's not... I don't think that... uh, I don't think that loss is going to look bad. Like Colorado State was picked to win the Mountain West Conference, which is a pretty good basketball league. Colorado State returns basically everyone from a team that arguably should have been in the NCAA tournament a year ago. That's not a bad loss. But what is too bad is Greg McDermott somewhat dared Colorado State to make threes from certain spots, Roddy and their other big guy. And they did. They did. Colorado State. They made twenty threes against Creighton. 20. And before you crush Greg McDermott for his plan and go, why do you got to defend the three-point line? Just just look at the three days for Colorado State in the Virgin Islands. Here, here's their three-point shooting numbers in their three games at, in the Virgin Islands. Versus Bradley, Colorado State, 5 of 19 from 3. Versus Creighton, Colorado State, 20 of 34 from 3. And then versus Northeastern, 4 of 19 from 3. You you pick the one that's like whoa, sheesh! I what's crazy is I you know I was watching that game. I didn't think Creighton played that bad. I, I really didn't think they played that bad in that game. They dared certain guys to hit shots and they did. And when a team hits twenty threes, it's good luck winning that game, right? That's what happened. That's what happened. As far as I've gotten, a lot of people, Nick, what do you what do you think of Creighton now that you've seen him play here? Overall impressions of Creighton through the first six games, I. I've just told you a second. I've been really, really impressed with Ryan Nemhard. I've told you that. Like I, I thought he was really good. I was chugging the Kool Aid, buying stock, heading in, and he has lived up to, or if not exceeded, my expectations so far. I've been impressed with their ability to to hang tough and find a way to win. I just illustrated that. I was concerned about their ability to shoot the three consistently, and I think that's been proven. They've been a little hot and cold, a little bit streaky. I'd say Ryan Hawkins has maybe been a little, even a little better than I thought he would be. You just never know how that transition from D two to D one is going to go. He's been pretty dang good. I even, uh, I was doing a, I did a Kansas game two days after the Creighton Nebraska game. It was Kansas and Stony Brook. I was doing that for the Big Twelve Now Network, and and I saw and I was talking to Coach Self at shootaround, and we were talking about the Creighton Nebraska game, and you know he was like, "Yeah, watch that game," and I. I said, man, Creighton's point guard's pretty good. He was like, oh yeah, that kid's good. He goes, you know who else is good? That D two kid's pretty good. I was like, yeah, you're right. So even Bill Self's going, hey, Ryan Hawkins, pretty good little player. Kalkbrenner, uh, so far he needs more touches. He he needs more touches. Greg McDermott has said that when he's in the game, they got to they got to get him the ball. And he, listen, he took over the Southern Illinois game late. Like Nemhard hits the game winner, and he you know he's the guy that's the that's the in the spotlight afterwards, but they don't win that game without Ryan Kulkmanner. He was incredible down the stretch. Arthur Kaluma's gonna be be a beast. He's still just a little loose and crazy at times and finding his his him, you know, his game and where he can attack and and tightening everything up. Sharif Mitchell is still finding his legs coming off that groin injury. You can tell he's just like his mind he knows his mind knows where he wants to get to, but his legs just aren't quite under him yet. But he'll be fine. Alex O'Connell, to me, this has been as good a basketball as he's played uh, since he's been in college. So there's been a lot a lot to like. Um, but still, I mean, I, I don't want to go crazy here because I, I don't know. I still think, for me, I still think NIT with this team. That's just me. I, I hate to be a wet blanket. I mean, we're still so freaking early in this thing. I'm not ready to move off that. I I do get, when I, one of the things in watching them, I get concerned when they get bogged down in the half court and they play better teams. Do they have a stud that can go just score and get a bucket? Because you, you may go, what about Ryan Nemhardt I mean, I'll give you that, I guess, but Nemhard is more of a a push-tempo playmaking facilitator guy than he is like a bucket getter in the half court. Like I I thought there have been numerous times this season already where Creighton just didn't have a stud they could just throw the ball to and he goes and scores and makes a play, gets fouled or whatever, right? Like Doug McDermott, Marcus Foster, uh, Kyrie Thomas, Maurice Watson, Tyson Alexander, Marcus Zagorowski, even Damian Jefferson last year. That's a concern because ultimately the game has a way of slowing down and you get in the half court. Sometimes I'm not so sure that Creighton is at its best just throwing the ball in the post to Hawkins and and – and Kolkbrenner and Fiesel, and and then obviously playing pick-and-roll basketball with with Nembhar. So we'll see how that goes. I mean, this team's still finding itself. Greg McTermott's finding rotations, lineups, what works, what doesn't. So listen, I've, I've, there's been a lot of impressive things so far. I still feel like this is an NIT. That's more of a realistic kind of projection for this team, but you never know. The Nick Bob Podcast is powered by Runza. I got to talk to you guys about something. The Eagles ran Philly special in Super Bowl 52, right? Remember that trick play? It was incredible. It was amazing. Well, Runza has huddled up, and they got their own version of Philly special. How about a Philly-style Runza? Oh, man. For a limited time only, you can get a Philly-style Runza. Everything you love about a Philly combined with everything you love about a Runza wrapped up into one. So if you got a hunger as big as the Sixers center Joel Embiid, you need the Philly style Runza. You got green peppers, grilled onions, steak seasoning, Swiss cheese, and of course, juicy, delicious, succulent steak all wrapped into a Runza. Oh my goodness. The combination of Steak and Runza. I mean, that's kind of like the combination of Adrian Martinez and Samari Torre. It's just fantastic. So get your Philly game right. Get your Philly-style Runza game right. Again, this is for a limited time only, so head out to Runza today and get a Philly-style Runza. Runza makes it all better. And listen, man, they got a big December on deck for them. Creighton will play BYU on a neutral floor in South Dakota. BYU, pretty, pretty freaking good team. They hammered Oregon the other day. They got home games in December against Arizona State, Iowa State, and Villanova. They played Villanova on December 17th in Omaha. And they also got a, a home game against Georgetown as well. And then they also have a road game at DePaul. They have all those games before January 1st. So there's we're going to learn a lot here in the next month or so. Sticking, sticking with Creighton, and then I'll transition back to Nebraska on a bunch of different things here. Sticking with Creighton. So during college basketball season, I have my routine of different things that I do. Every day I dive into Ken Palm, uh, the college basketball analytics guru and his site, KenPalm.com. How about this little nugget on Creighton as I was kind of just perusing through Ken Palm? So, you know, we hear about how good of a three-point shooting team and three-point shooting program Creighton is, and deservedly so, right? I mean, that's kind of what they're known for. And, I mean, shoot, they got the let it fly mantra, right? That's kind of their slogan. And the stats I'm about to give you are probably a a little bit responsible for it, the three-point shooting. But how about this? Chew on this. Here's where Creighton ranks nationally in two-point field goal percentage the past nine years, including this year. Here's where Creighton ranks nationally in two-point field goal percentage. The past nine years, including this year. So starting with Doug McDermott's senior year. Second, 176th, 14th, 6th, 4th, 17th, 40th, 11th, and this year, their ninth. Eight of the last nine years, Creighton has ranked inside the top 40 nationally in two-point field goal percentage. Six of the last nine years, Creighton has ranked inside the top 15 in two-point field goal percentage. That's impressive. Because that's usually a mark of, like, e- easy baskets. And here's the thing, too. that That's doing it with not a bunch of Kofi Coburn, Hunter Dickinson-type dudes, right? That's more of a guard-centric, small-ball kind of, kind of attack. And You know, you go, okay, well, why is that? It goes to show you, first of all, how spread the floor is because of the three-point shooting threats across the perimeter, so the shots in the paint are less contested. There's just more room, more real estate when you get into the lane. That makes a difference. And then the other thing is probably how much teams are trying to run Creighton off the three-point line and make them shoot twos. But it also shows you, you know, the balance and the efficiency of Creighton's offense under Greg McDermott. I just found that interesting. I found those two-point field goal percentage numbers interesting. Switching gears back to Nebraska basketball, I just feel terrible for Trey McGown's. I, I feel terrible. A broken foot, broke his foot in the first half against Creighton. Felt like, you know, I mean, shoot, he's got a podcast with his brother and his little brother is a five-stars on the team with them. Like, they had such, I mean, this season was going to be really, really special. And listen, Trey McGown's season isn't over. He, he at some point, is probably going to return this year. But, man, it's just a bummer. Big, big bummer, and it certainly hurts Nebraska significantly because that's a pretty big void to fill with Trey McGowan's. He was Nebraska's best perimeter defender, and he was their best wing attacking the basket with physicality because if you kind of look at now the guards on this Nebraska team, Alonzo Verge and Bryce McGowan's are skinny guys. CJ Wilcher and 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 Tomi Naga are are three point centric guys. They're not drivers. They're catch and shoot guys. And then you know, Kobe Webster is small and not an above the rim uh, kind of a guy. So it'll be interesting to see how Nebraska fares when they start playing bigger and better wings and how they defend them without Trey McGowan's, who is an elite on ball defender, strong, athletic, good good defender. And then. The ability, it'll be interesting to see what the ability to get into the lane consistently and play through contact without Trey McGowan's looks like as well. I mean, because that's the thing. When you get into the Big Ten, not, all of a sudden you're finishing over Travion Williams and Zach Eady and and Hunter Dickinson. And, you know, I mean, all of a sudden you got big bodies waiting for you in there. Trey McGowan's could, could, could play through contact, finish above the rim. Be interesting to see. What that all looks like. So not only do you feel terrible for for Trey McGowan's, but it's a huge void on both ends of the floor because of how he was built defensively and then the ability to get into the lane and be physical. Speaking of Nebraska, sticking with Nebraska, you know this team, the Fred Hoiberg's team here, like uh, Nebraska, like every team has shortcomings. There there really are no perfect teams out there. So it's not like it's it's every every team's got issues, right? And I think there are a lot of pressing issues to address. Certainly, Doc Sadler and and Coach Abdul Massey and, and Fred Hoiberg they they know all that stuff, right? They got to address ball movement. Ball gets stuck. They don't they don't share it. Toughness. I don't think this team's the toughest team in the world. Rebounding had a hard time keeping teams out the offensive glass. But one of the biggest issues is three point shooting. And the reason I will highlight three point shooting is number one, it's a part of Fred Hoiberg. It, it, his system has identity how he wants his teams built it's a part of ha- a huge part of how they play and then number two making threes has a way of covering up for other issues it's it's hard for nebraska to become a great rebounding team overnight right that's hard to do I think it's hard for them to become the, you know, the bad boy Pistons with toughness and fight overnight. You either kind of got that in you, or you don't. But the one thing that I think could get fixed or improve relatively quickly is threes, because on because on paper they have pretty good shooters. On paper, they don't have great rebounders. They don't have a bunch of tough guys. And the reality is, Nebraska is a team that is built to outscore you, not to out-tough you and and grind you out. They're a team that's built to to get into a track meet and try to outscore you. And the number one way to do that is to make threes. And the, the number one way to cover up all the other issues, rebounding, all that stuff, is to, is to make threes. And they have really, really struggled from the three-point line you look at their three-point numbers, through six games this season, Nebraska's 37 of 139 from three as a team. That's 26.6% from three. That ranks 307th in the country. At some point, guys got to make shots. At some point, guys got to do what they were brought here and recruited to do. Latman, Tomi Naga, Bryce McGowan's, Keon Edwards, Brydenbach. At some point, those guys got to make their open threes. Sure, could ball, could better ball movement lead to maybe better threes? Yeah, I, I absolutely. But at the same time, guys are missing open threes. Guys are getting some decent looks, and they're missing them. If the, if those three point numbers don't change, Nebraska's is going to have an uphill battle because they're just flawed in a lot of other areas. And, you know, we, we, speaking of a, uh, you know, we talk about Creighton's next month and how there's a lot coming down the pike. Same thing with Nebraska, too. We are going to find out a hell of a lot about Nebraska here in the month of December. Starting December 1st, here is Nebraska's schedule at NC State, at Indiana, Michigan at home, Auburn on a neutral floor, and Kansas State at home. Wow. That's. That's quite the five-game stretch. NC State, Indiana, Michigan, Auburn, Kansas State. I'll have that Kansas State game, by the way, so I'll be on the call for that one. But man, that is going to be tough. Going to find out quite a bit about Fred Hoiberg's squad. By the way, so I'm taping this on on a Wednesday. So last night, college football playoff came out. Cincinnati might make the college football playoff if I never thought I'd see the day that a group of five team makes the playoff, it's not a done deal yet. And we got to, even though it's, you know, it's almost, it's Thanksgiving weekend here and we're getting close to, you know, conference championships and all that stuff. And those things getting set in stone feels like Cincinnati's in a, in, in a pretty good spot, but I never thought I'd see the day. I never thought I'd see the day. And I, st- that certainly, I still think they're, the playoff needs to expand, but, Man, I would be. I would would be. I'm someone that is rooting for Cincinnati to make the playoff. Hammering through Take a Palooza here. So far, you know, NIL, name, image, and likeness, hasn't been as big of a deal as a lot of people thought it would be so far. Would you agree? Remember July 1st, floodgates opened up. And you kind of thought, oh, God, what's this new world going to look like? Again, I I still think it's in its infancy stages, right? But so far hasn't been as as big of an impact as maybe some people anticipated. But where it will get the most dicey is in recruiting. Not necessarily that the, the kid that caught the game winner for uh for Kansas over Texas, and then he all of a sudden he's shooting commercials, all this stuff. Like that's everybody's like, eh, hey, good for you, right? But I think where this thing gets really dicey and really interesting is in recruiting. So stay tuned for that because this will be the first college football signing period in a couple of weeks with NIL in full swing. And and then on top of that, this will be the first full college basketball recruiting cycle with it in full swing. That's what I'll have my eyes on. That's where I think this thing could get really, really, really interesting. Speaking of NIL, I had a conversation with someone, gosh, about a month ago, maybe, that was interesting. And, and the person I was talking to, this person suggested that Nebraska should go to its top donors and find a way to pool together $500,000 to a million bucks and make sure that that Nebraska's top players currently on its roster stay in Lincoln for one more year and not go to the NFL or not transfer and play for Frost next year. So I think, you know, guys like Cam Taylor Britt, Damian Daniels, at the time, this person suggested Adrian Martinez. I mean, that's certainly an interesting topic there. And then obviously also a guy like Austin Allen who just announced that he is leaving. So that looks like that ship has sailed. But it's, it's, first of all, Pretty amazing to listen to that and kind of go, yeah, you know, like what a time to be alive when you sit there and hear that and you're, you're like, yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> I mean, It's kind of amazing. But maybe, you know, what? Else? maybe Nebraska needs to do the same thing, but instead pull together a bunch of money and go get the best quarterback you can in the transfer portal. And while you're there, take a couple extra bucks and go get the best field goal kicker as well. Sheesh. 50 grand's got to get you a field goal kicker that like can make an extra point, right? (laughs) Like you ever do that? Where you walk up, like walk up some, something maybe at like a carnival and it's like tickets. Like, yeah, what can 50 tickets get me? You're like, well, you can get that, 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 like maybe in the transfer portal, like what can $50,000 get me? Can it get me a kicker? Please, for the love of God, make an extra point. Please. What a time to be alive, you know? hey, Let's get irresponsible here. Here are my way – college basketball season is only two weeks old, but here's my way too early Final Four predictions. Let's just get crazy. Way too early Final Four predictions. Uh, Gonzaga, obviously. Holy crap. You know, it's funny. I put UCLA number one in my preseason rankings because I just felt like I was all in on Drew Timmy. I was all in on Chet Holmgren. But I felt like, okay, they lost Jalen Suggs. They lost Joel Ayai. They lost Corey Kispert. I'm like, that's a lot to lose in your backcourt I wanna those those guards and and the, and you know that 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 backcourt needs to prove it. Well, they've kind of proven it. They they dominated Texas and then they kicked UCLA's ass. Gonzaga's legit. I mean, Drew Timmy, it's just it's crazy. And then Chet Holmgren's incredible incredible too. I still have UCLA. I still think that team is big time good. I I Hakez, you know, Johnny Juzang, Tiger Campbell. I mean, that team's legit. They're they're one of the f- two, three best teams in the country. I'll put Purdue in there. I mean, the, Jay Ivey, Zach Eady, Travion Williams, team's legit. Team is tough. The team's That team is big. That team can hammer you inside. When you can control the paint and control the glass, you control the game. And every game Purdue is in, they will do that. And then at that, my fourth Final Four selection for my way too early Final Four picks, I'm going to put Duke in there. Because Paolo Bancaro is the real deal, and you watch Duke, they 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 pass the eye test. And I was talking to some of Kansas's assistant coaches when I was, you know, they they had gone to Madison Square Garden where they played Kansas played Michigan State, and then Duke played Kentucky afterwards, and they hung out and watched a little of that game, and they were like, "Man, Duke looks different," just like in person, like whoa. So I'll put I'll put Duke in there as well, right on the outside. I have Villanova and Kansas. Um, but I'll put way too early final four predictions: Gonzaga, UCLA, Purdue, Duke. For no reason at all, no one asked, but I'm going to give you my top, my favorite, my top five rappers of all time. This is my personal five favorite rappers: Jay Z, Tupac, Kanye West, Drake, and Snoop. Jay Z, I mean, come on, Hove, give me a break. I mean, this dude has been in my life my entire life, and just he he's 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 arguably the GOAT. Tupac, I will say I find myself gravitating Tupac more the older I get. He might be the ultimate rapper of every emotion. Like, you want to get deep and thoughtful? Tupac is your guy. You want to party? Tupac is your guy. You want to tap into your, like, reckless crazy side? Tupac is your guy. And I always feel like that's the great mark of, in particular, rappers, but really music in general for any genre. Great music and great musicians, they have a way of of you feel what they're feeling. If it's love, you feel it. If If it's hate, you feel it. If it's happiness, you feel it. If it's sadness, you feel it. Pac, you feel Pac. You feel him. Now, I will say with Kanye, it's more old Kanye. I don't like I don't, la, Kanye's last album was okay, but it's more college dropout, uh, late registration, graduation. Yeah, it's it's more of those early, early Kanye. Drake, I mean Drake's decade run here has been crazy. And then listen, Snoop is a Snoop's Snoop is still putting out hits and still the man. Snoop and Snoop's got classics. So those are my, those are my five. Oh, and by the way, I told you guys, I think on my first take of Palooza that I fear that I officially don't like new rap. And here we are a couple months later, and that hasn't really changed. And that is a scary feeling. Now I get it. Hip hop's always kind of been the music for young people, right? That's, it's always been kind of the, it, that's what it's been, but man, that's not good. Cause that means I'm getting old, which is scary. All right, it is Thanksgiving. Uh, Thanksgiving weekend. Top five favorite th- Thanksgiving foods. Number one, you, you can roll your eyes at this. Mashed potatoes. To me, every great plate at Thanksgiving, you have it's like establishing the run or whatever. Like you have to have the mashed potatoes. It's not sexy. It's like the offensive line of your plate at Thanksgiving. I know it's more fun to talk about the receivers and this and that and the, and whatever. If you don't have great mashed potatoes on your plate, your plate's not legit. Mashed potatoes, one turkey, two. Come on like I've heard a lot of hot hot takes on turkey Turkey's pretty solid it's Thanksgiving it's what you have it's got to be in your top three to me number three I'm gonna, even though I'm not a huge eating bread guy rolls gotta have a good roll you can dip it in the mashed potatoes dip it in the gravy kind of kind of use it as like a almost like a mop and then smash it number four this is more of a of a Ba family thing but pumpkin bars it's like pumpkin pie but they're like cake almost. Oh, so good! I'm not a huge pumpkin pie guy, but for some reason, pumpkin bars go hard. And then number five, this might also be a a a Bob Family thing: cream corn. Like, like it's oh, this corn is bomb. Product of being in Nebraska, probably. So mashed potatoes, turkey rolls, pumpkin bars, cream corn, fantastic. By the way, I was thinking about this. My my holiday power rankings. Number one, my favorite holiday is Fourth of July. It's just great weather. You're outside. You're at a pool. You're at a lake. You're drinking beer. You're grilling. You're in the sun. Just, who doesn't like fireworks? Just awesome. Just, the, just best. Just the best. Number two, Thanksgiving. I do really enjoy Thanksgiving. Who doesn't like hanging out with their family and overeating and then watching football? And just, yeah, it's great. Number three, Christmas. Number four, Halloween, and number five, New Year's Eve since so New Year's Day. I am one of those guys that's kind of a sucker for like. I don't really. I've gotten too old to party and stay up like and go bananas on New Year's Eve, but I kind of like the idea of like. I'm kind of. I'm kind of lame and dorky and like i like the idea of like new year all right here we go let's i like to reflect a lot and i like to think about what i want out of the next year so like it suits well for me but i will say this and parents will feel me it's amazing how much kids alter at least for me have altered how i view certain holidays like Christmas, I used to be kind of like a little bit of a Scrooge on Christmas when a huge Christmas guy. Christmas is like quickly ascending to potentially being number one in my book because of kids. Like kids, Christmas time is just the freaking best. Like it is the best. Having kids and, and around Christmas, it's the best. And same thing with Halloween. Halloween is way more fun with kids. It is they just watching them dress up. Dressing them up, laughing at their costumes, they, the excitement they have going trick-or-treating, get eating, the, they get to eat the kids. It's just, it's so much fun. So I'm not so sure as as my kids get older and as I, you know, settle into being more of a parent that I'm not so, Chris, I'm not so sure Christmas and Halloween won't end up being number one and number two for me. Because, man, having kids just changes your worldview and certainly changes the way I view holidays, man. Also... Kind of the last take here. This has been fun because I tweeted this out, and I've got a handful of people tweeting at me, uh, uh, emailing me. So I tweeted out that yes, I've I've lost almost thirty pounds, and on about uh, it was it was really about the Fourth of July, uh, and that I, that I felt like I kind of like I hit rock bottom, like. I'm sure everybody out there is going through it in some way, shape, or form with you know uh, their body image and 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 feeling overweight or whatever. And I hit a point where I was just like I was I was I was in the worst shape of my life. I was the heaviest I've ever been, and it was it's a bad feeling, man. Right? It 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 messes you up mentally. It messes you up. You don't feel good physically. I got to the point where and this is probably TMI, but I got to the point where like any like we'd be with the kids and take pictures and like my wife would show me a picture and I like wouldn't want to look at because I didn't want to look at the picture of myself I was like I'm such I don't even want to look at that person right it's how bad it, it got bad right I'm sure all you guys probably go through we all go through it we act like we don't care but we all care um But yeah, so I've I've lost thirty pounds. First of all, I I don't want to turn on the mic and act like no, I don't want to come off like I have all the answers and that I'm like although I mean listen, it's fucking hard, man. The shit is hard. The older you get, it it just get the harder it gets just to keep weight off and to stay on it, man. It's hard. Like you know, in the range, like I wish I wish why can't everything be as easy as it is to just put on weight? Like just putting on weight, it's just it's easy, man. But it's hard. So I certainly don't want to, like, come on. I, I don't like when people lose weight and they talk down to people or they act like, I, well, this is what you, I don't. I mean, listen, man, I'm, it's hard. But for me, I don't know if you got, the, and may, listen, maybe the way I'm talking to you guys, someone out there, will it'll click for them. Like, but that that also sounded super, like, hoity-toity and, like, pretentious. I'm not meaning for this to be like this. But, like, I, I know for me, like, all of, for for a month or two i was i was just in this mode where i was searching for like a a gimmick with a diet or a lose weight quick thing right like how can i do this without having to really change and really grind and really go through hard stuff like how can i do this and that's why I was, a, oh, drink this protein shake, lose 25 pounds. Uh, don't eat during this period of time and you'll look like Channing Tatum in Magic Man. Okay. Like, so for me, what here's what helped me, and maybe you, this will help you guys. I, I started, I, I stumbled on to Noom on Facebook. It was a Facebook ad and Noom. I was like, okay. You know, I mean, I was like, at this point, I was trying everything, man. I ordered different proteins, different stuff. I was trying everything. Uh, But Noom helped me and worked for me. And the thing I like about Noom is it's not like it's not a BS thing. Like there are no gimmicks. Like let me tell you, like, hey, you lost weight? What'd you do? I'm like, listen, it's all about eating right and discipline. It's, I know that's not what people want to hear, but that's what it is. And Noom, you know that they, they it's an, it's kind of rethinking the way you you view food. It it teaches you about food. Um, You know they kind of categorize food into three different categories green yellow and red green you like you need to eat mostly green foods not necessarily green meaning salad but like green like that's how they just how they categorize them yellow you know eat moderate portions in red try to steer clear and you know you can at like you can type in or scan different things like well is it what is it like i'll be at the grocery store i'm like Ooh, I, I, okay i maybe want to get this i'll scan it like oh, that's a red food all right i'm not going to eat that like stuff like that it talks about the importance of weighing yourself every day uh and, and so Noom helped me. And then the other thing that helped me was biking. When, when the weather was nice, I would go on a, you know, eight to ten mile bike ride almost every day, five of the seven days a week. And now I just I just bought a Peloton because I knew the weather was changing. I knew I had to stay on it. And it's helped me. Pelotons are awesome, man. Pelotons are great. It's a great workout. It's you know you can do a twenty minute workout, thirty minute workout, forty five minute workout, sixty minute work, like whatever time you got. Hop on that thing, bust it, call it good. So, listen, man, I get it, man. If everybody's going through it, it's tough out there. But if uh, it worked, that's what helped me. Noom helped me, and uh, and and biking helped me as well. But yeah, I I, I set a goal to to get down to one eighty five, which is what I weighed my senior year playing basketball at Creighton, and. The other day, my, my the scale said 185, so it, it, it felt amazing. But it's just, you know, it's discipline. It's eating right. It's all it is, dude. That's, that's all it is. So there you go. Uh, it is Thanksgiving, and I am thankful for all of you. Seriously, man. Without, you know, not to be cheesy and corny. Like, without you guys, man, I couldn't do what I do. So I, I sincerely, I hope this comes through to you guys. I sincerely appreciate all of you guys that support this podcast that listen to this podcast that download this podcast that subscribe to this podcast that interact with this podcast that tell a friend about this podcast i i, I cannot thank you enough so this thanksgiving i am straight up thankful to you guys hope you guys have a good thanksgiving be safe out there we'll catch you
0: next time in the nick Bob podcast